This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new dApp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you before making any detrimental mistakes, risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score. And if you find yourself wondering, hmm, maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past. Well, Blockbases makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on Blockbases.com. That is Blockbases.com. As I was saying in the intro here, I think people are super keen on hearing more about, first of all, what's going on at Cosmos Hub. I think a lot of people are super excited about that. But in particular, what uh, what happens with duality and uh, DEX activity on the Cosmos Hub, which will finally happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot going on, and uh, I'm excited to get into it. Definitely. But before we do, let's just... Uh, Perhaps talk a little bit about yourself. Let's uh, hear a little bit more about Nicolas. Who is Nicolas and uh, how did you end up working on or for uh, Duality? Yeah, so just for a bit of background on myself, uh, I stumbled on the, or let's let's do the long long version. I stumbled on the Bitcoin white paper in, in about... We got time, man. <laughs> maybe around 2016-ish while I was uh, studying to become a software engineer. And uh, I had heard about it before, but didn't make any significant effort to understand anything about how it worked, the underlying technology. But it's pretty safe to say that I got properly hooked by mainly proof of work and its elegance, um, and naturally then discovered Ethereum shortly after. I spent most of my early Ethereum days studying the standards and programming language, and uh, I found myself deeply, deeply interested. And that, from that moment until now, I've kind of exclusively worked on Web3. Uh, I started off at uh, Consensus uh, and have since worked on various projects from decentralized bridging to DeFi to centralized permissioned ledgers and um, contract work here and there, but uh, um, yeah. So it's uh, it's been a it's been a crazy wild last few years. Honestly, it feels like two lifetimes already. But uh, here we are today. <laughs> yeah, that's crypto for you right there. <laughs> Talk to us about perhaps uh, going from being quite deep into the Ethereum ecosystem and moving on to then um, duality and of course the Cosmos ecosystem, etc. Because this is something that really resonates with me and I think a lot of other people. I started out as well, just like you, being very fascinated with obviously Bitcoin, proof of work, the first blockchain, and then subsequently Ethereum, being able to deploy smart contracts and actually do stuff on chain. But in my personal experience, at least, uh, maybe you can talk to this as well, but I really experienced in the Ethereum ecosystem when I was banging my head against the wall, building stuff there, um, I really felt like there was almost like a zero-sum game happening. Like 
you know, in this corner, you got all the liquidity markets and we all fight for the same liquidity. And in this corner, you got all the DEXs and they're all fighting for trading volume uh, and see, let's see who wins. But then when I first uh, started really paying attention to Cosmos, uh, obviously I knew about Cosmos uh, for many years, but only until maybe a year ago, maybe one and a half year ago, I really started paying attention because it was, it was a completely different vibe, like with IBC enabled and, and being able to move assets across different chains, it just changed the game completely. Like everybody was cheering each other on. Everybody was sort of having this sort of, yeah, what you see in tech in general, like we can, we can build a bigger pie. We don't have to fight for the same amount of pie. Um, I'm curious to hear if, uh, if you experienced sort of the same thing and in general, just how was it to go from being quite deep in Ethereum or, and then now to being quite deep in, into Cosmos? Yeah, so I'll basically, it's bittersweet. Um, I love Ethereum. I think it is, I think it's uh, fantastic. Uh, I spend uh, a lot of time working on Ethereum and I developed a, a passion for the for the community and the and the projects there and the language and how everything works, um, you know, synchronous composability and whatnot. But when we switched to Cosmos and um, a little bit of a of interesting history is that Duality's first implementation was in Solidity, uh, but we decided to move to Cosmos when thinking about what the actual vision long-term looks like of what a DEX can be. And that means full stack control. Uh, the fact that we can control our own gas markets, the fact that we can control uh, consensus and we can control ordering in some ways, we, can, we, have, we have a lot of tools in our disposal to do a bunch of really crazy things, which we just don't on Ethereum. So the, the move was a intentional targeted move to increase our technical scope a little bit uh, in order to, to be able to actually implement what we want to and we want what we set out to build. But, but yeah, it's been, it's been very welcoming here. Um, I, I've been aware about Cosmos for a while but didn't actually consider it as as um, as a place to actually start building until maybe about a year ago. Hmm. It's funny because it's exactly the same story as myself. Um, I don't know what was the trigger point for for you. Um, for me, it was very much the whole IBC enabled and uh, the adoption of IBC uh, starting to take form. Was that the same trigger point for you to move from Ethereum and onto Cosmos or was it something else? I wouldn't say it was exactly a trigger point as much as it was one of the points that we needed to parse in order to determine whether or not Cosmos was a sufficiently feature complete ecosystem to deploy mm -hmm. in. Um, that being said, bridging is a very, very important piece of, uh, of the puzzle. And as mm -hmm. we were doing more research and understanding a little bit better how exactly IBC works, what the, what the limitations are, uh, what the security implications are, et cetera. Um, it's safe to say that at this point, I'm, I'm an IBC maxi. I love IBC. I think it's, um, th there are definitely some, some issues, but I think IBC is, uh, IBC is, it's, uh, it's great. 
not much, not much to say about it. It's, uh, it's really cool. Yeah. And I think uh, most people, when they get into Cosmos, that's at least something that they can see like, okay, what distinguish, for example, Ethereum from Cosmos? The first thing that comes to mind for many people, at least, is IBC. But uh, obviously, the stack is much bigger than that. And it sounds like you guys have been sort of, yeah, waiting for the, the tech to be not just developed, but also sort of battle tested, right? Before you start to move from Ethereum to Cosmos. And I think that's something we'll see more and more from more and more teams. Like, of course, TYDX comes to mind. There's a lot of different dApps that are massively successful on Ethereum that I think we will start seeing more and more looking towards Cosmos and Cosmos tech as it gets more and more proven. Would you agree with that or? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. By the way, another point on IBC versus versus Ethereum is that I don't I don't necessarily think of um, IBC as a big differentiating factor uh, compared to Ethereum. Um, well, the reason Ethereum doesn't need IBC is because it does have default synchronous composability. Um, yeah. IBC is uh, IBC is bridging, and it it works by making chains asynchronously composable with each other, which, you know, works uh, in many, in many cases. Um, and it is, uh, um, I don't personally believe IBC is, uh, the base infrastructure is there, it's ready and it's cool, but I think the adoption of it and how it's being used is currently, is currently a little bit a little bit lacking, and I'm just very excited to see teams actually pick IBC up and use it to its full potential in terms of um, hmm. all the cool, very, very cool cross-chain things you can do with it. Definitely, definitely. But obviously, as we all know, Cosmos has sort of been this weird beast where it was very hard for a lot of people, I think, getting into Cosmos to wrap their head around what is Cosmos? What is the Cosmos Hub? And it just seemed very fragmented. I remember the first time I came to Cosmos, like, okay, so I have to buy Atom and then I move it to Cosmos Hub. But what is Cosmos Hub really? What can I do here? Not much. So I have to move it to Osmosis and then I can trade. And now I can move it to Mars, for example, only recently. And then there's a money market. Yumi has been around uh, in sort of beta mode for, for quite a while. But it's very fragmented for me, which is very different from, as you say, Ethereum. Like you install MetaMask, there's a mainnet, Ethereum mainnet, and boom, off you go. All dApps are deployed on, on mainnet. So let's talk about Cosmos Hub and your experience working with them because the headline here with duality is obviously the first decks deployed on Cosmos Hub. That's going to be exciting for a lot of people in our community. But why is that such a big deal, do you think? And why, why did you guys focus on, on implementing the first decks on, on Cosmos Hub instead of deploying on Ethereum, for example? So two reasons, slightly separate from each other. So the reason we didn't deploy on Ethereum is because we didn't have the... Ethereum just did not offer us the control we wanted to... Uh, in in the in the product we were we were envisioning, and the Cosmos ecosystem did. And now, since we're on Cosmos and we've made that decision, the decision is now: Hey, should we deploy on on the Cosmos Hub and leverage this multi-billion-dollar security set versus a custom deployment of our own? And the decision there, in many ways, came down to um, what 
is highest leverage for A, the community, B, for duality. And the answer to that was the Cosmos Hub. So the, the Cosmos Hub is currently, doesn't really have a, 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 real, a real use case. And I think uh, strides like ICS on mesh security um, are, a, are a good way to bring some utility into the hub. And having this fairly diverse, secure validator set um, and you know, being able to leverage it is, is very exciting. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people would agree with that. <laughs> but uh, talk to us about this almost mythical creature called the Cosmos Hub. Because when you guys set out, I know obviously interchange security or replicated security, whatever we call it, uh, has been undergoing development for quite some time. But it, it is quite a big bet, right? Like you, you, you haven't seen it in production only only until recently, really, um, very recently. Um, so, so how how has that been? Like building duality while actually in parallel uh, the Cosmos Hub and replicated security and all these different features that you want to see in Cosmos Hub being developed as well. Has that sort of working in parallel been? Uh, I don't know if I should call it easy, but um, how has that? benefited you guys because obviously being the first uh, comes with benefits but there's also typically some challenges to face there can you talk to us about uh, some of those so actually developing in parallel with the development of the of everything that's happening on the, on the cosmos hub was not particularly difficult the it's it, it kind of feels like a big collab in many ways there's you know individual contributors that have added uh, specific code to help with porting things over and to make the duality chain interchain security compatible. And uh, in fact, the, the the changes required in code to actually make this happen were not too large. And by majority, this allows us to focus on the the core logic of the DEX and not so much the the periphery of integration. Sure, there's been some headache around versioning, around uh, um, around versioning and and uh, importing the right stuff, and then you know changing changing how things are things are wired internally. But aside from that, it's actually been pretty smooth. That's great to hear, and very reassuring. Also, I think more the more teams that I talk to, founders, etc., the more convinced I become that the tech. In, in Cosmos, it's not just rock solid, but it's actually quite elegant. Like people, people just seem to enjoy working with it. Um, so, so that's uh, that's very reassuring from for someone that uh, is also more on the technical side of things. Uh, but yeah, so let's talk about the user journey just to dumb it down a bit uh, in here. And uh, for anyone who's uh, just you know a casual sort of Dex trading person, um, right now, if I want to trade, typically what you do, as I mentioned earlier. You would uh, buy Atom on maybe a, a centralized exchange or whatever, then move it to your Cosmos wallet with, on Cosmos Hub. And then you can't really do much there. You have to move it to something like Osmosis, for example. And, and that last step uh, is uh, profoundly confusing to a lot of people, I think, including myself in the beginning, by the way. Um, 
So what is different when duality gets deployed and the whole setup that you guys have? So not as much as you might think, but there is a, a push internally to strive for a lot better UX in Cosmos in general. Uh, I think that, you know, current with the current level of infrastructure, it can be a little bit unfriendly to new users. It can look, it can look kind of scary and daunting, like, you know, setting up and understanding ports and channels and all that. But I believe that we have the ability here to make very significant strides in UI and UX to make it so it's a lot less confusing. Uh, which is something we're, we're actually focusing on. Makes sense. Makes sense. But I guess the underlying question there is, do I still need to move, let's say, Adam, that I just deposited to my Cosmos wallet, do I still need to move those funds um, by IBC to to the to a consumer chain or another wallet address? Uh, how, how would that work in practice? If there's something here you can't say, then obviously just let us know. But uh, we have to ask the question now that we have you on. <laughs> yeah, so the assets would still need to be moved over from the Cosmos Hub to any consumer chain that it secures. It will, it's, yeah. uh, the address can be shared, but it would still, there would still need to be a, a, uh, a transaction. Hmm, yeah. Makes sense. And you've done a lot of work on the LP side, uh, the liquidity pools and the liquidity provider side. How uh, can you talk us through uh, the uh, sort of novel mechanism design that you guys have uh, set up and the incentive system that you've built for, um, for duality? Okay, this is, uh, this is where it might get a little bit interesting because uh, the, the underlying mechanism design is something resembling a hybrid between an AMM and an order book in that we, we're not an order book exactly and we're also not exactly a traditional AMM speaking. So the way Uniswap v2, uh, Osmosis, and a bunch of other decentralized exchanges currently work is that they use uh, constant product curves. Um, the x times y equals k curve where you can deposit liquidity in one position and as trades happening there's as, as trades happen there's a very simple calculation to determine given an input what the output should be and uh, because of this because of this uh, because of this equation basically the x times y equals k you make it so the output of what you get is not equal to the input but it is equal to the input plus some slippage and that slippage is the uh, it's kind of a function of how much liquidity is in the existing pool already, which is why to get very good prices on constant product pools, you need a good chunk of liquidity. Um, Duality uses a aggregation of constant sum pools to generate its positions. What that means is in a constant sum pool, if you have a certain amount of liquidity, you can trade all of that liquidity for predetermined price. So there's no slippage on individual ticks. However, as you propagate through ticks and you exhaust liquidity on constant sum ticks, you move to the next tick that has that has liquidity 
And that jump between tick one to tick two can be defined as slippage. So that is, hmm. that is the main difference between the design. Uh, what this allows you to do is it allows you to kind of approximate any trading curve you want. That's pretty cool. The, like, is, is it almost like flipping a switch between, okay, go this route or go that route between, let's call it the order book style way of trading versus the AMM style of trading? Is that how it works underneath the hood or... Yeah, how how does that decision, how is that decision being made when when a trade is being executed? Yeah, so if you want to think about it like uh, like an order book, it, it works. However, when when you're on when you're on an order book and your liquidity position is filled, then it's taken out of the order book. But in this case, when your when your liquidity is bought or sold, it actually just jumps over to the other side of the market, providing liquidity on the other asset until that is bought or sold. Hmm. Interesting. It's giving, um, as you as you guys call it, I think, uh, LP superpower, superpowers. I think you call it. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, we're we're actually uh, in the middle of kind of uh, changing the changing some of the some branding, etc. But uh, but yeah, sure. Yeah, but it is giving. Um, I think the, the yeah, forget about the catchphrase, I guess, but um, it is giving or empowering the LPs much more than they would otherwise be empowered in in other DEXs and, and AMMs out there. Uh, would that be fair to say? Or yeah, it would. So ideally, how this works is if I want to provide very very narrow liquidity and I want to provide at a very specific price point. I can concentrate my liquidity very, very heavily to supply liquidity at that specific price point. Say I'm supplying liquidity for a highly correlated asset. Say I'm trying to buy um, Atom and staked Atom. I want to, sorry, I want to provide liquidity for Atom and staked Atom. I can provide liquidity mm. at a very, very narrow price range. And I can provide it in, a, say, a bell curve fashion. Providing liquidity mm. in a bell curve fashion actually approximates a stable swap curve. Um, if I want to provide liquidity across the entirety of the, of the position, that I could potentially create equal provisions of liquidity throughout the curve sporadically, and that would approximate a constant product pool. Uh, Interesting. And there's any kind of, any, any, any curve that, that makes sense that I want to, that I want to approximate I'm able, I'm able to approximate with a series of constant sum pools. It's almost like you flip the scripts. Um, users and uh, traders are used to obviously being able to almost select their price point, at least in an order book style uh, uh, trading experience. But here you allow LPs, liquidity providers, to be able to do somewhat the same, uh, choosing a price curve. Uh, only to be used for their liquidity. That's pretty cool, man. I mean, that's a, a much needed feature, I'm sure, that a lot of LPs have been requesting for, for a long time. Yeah, I hope so. I, we also hope to take in as much user feedback as possible and uh, improve it and potentially even redesign it if, if things are unintuitive or missing and we're going to try to make efforts in, in the front end to make things, again, more intuitive. but. But uh, yeah, there, there's no real replacement for real world use and, and accumulating data that way. 
Yeah. And it's the goal. Uh, so like, again, forget about the, the marketing jargon or catchphrases, but the ultimate goal here is for LPs to limit their imper- uh, impermanent loss, I assume, but you haven't mentioned impermanent loss. So I'm perhaps spitballing here. Yeah. So the impermanent loss is unfortunately a problem that is kind of omnipresent in the world of DEXs. So when I'm providing mm-hmm. a liquidity position, say I'm providing Adam USDC, when I'm providing that position, I'm opening myself up to the external market forces that say, hey, this price moved up or that price moved down. Now this person, which is me, because I've provided liquidity, um, has a position that's open that allows me to buy or sell this token at a predetermined price. So I am putting up my I'm putting up my money, um, and I'm not really getting any guarantees. The only guarantee I'm getting, pretty much, is that if what I'm selling is cheap, someone will buy it. But if someone buys something that I'm selling, then I'm probably losing money. Um, so the, unfortunately with, um, with impermanent loss, it is, it's omnipresent and it's a, it's, it's, it's a problem that currently exists on DEXs. And one of the, mm. one of the only ways to try to combat this is to have whoever is profiting off of purchasing your liquidity, because when you're providing liquidity, you're basically providing a free straddle option to whoever wants to purchase it. Um, So instead of providing a free straddle option, the best we can do is we can say, hey, you need to pay for the straddle (laughs) option. One sec. There's a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. The dog is out. (laughs) Dog out. Come here, buddy. Um, But yeah. Um, The the free straddle option, yeah. So the uh, LPs can... Uh, LPs can basically say that, okay, the, the best we can do is we can have whoever's purchasing the straddle option actually purchase it from us. So if the, if the straddle mm-hmm. option would provide me an arbitrage opportunity of $200, uh, I might as well force people to bid on it. And whoever bids the most for that free straddle option should be able to purchase it. And then that's, that's MEV. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that MEV revenue can be used in creative ways to potentially try to reimburse the LP for the funds they lost MEB by, by providing this option. And we'll, uh, we'll talk more about uh, MEV, I'm sure, in, the, in a few seconds. But before we do, I just want to ask, uh, and this is, by the way, a question from the community. I'll start to blend in uh, questions from the community uh, early because I, I can see a lot of people are interested in all this. And... Uh, there's a lot of questions basically to go through and we can't, we can't get through them all. So I'll cherry pick uh, some, but one of them, uh, many people are asking actually how you compare to a Uniswap uh, V3. Uh, Cause obviously the whole sort of uh, having different pricing curves that you can sort of provide liquidity to, it sort of resembles what, uh, what we all know and love, I'm sure uh, with the Uniswap V3. So perhaps you can talk to how, how duality is differing. Um, from Uniswap V3? 
Yeah, so the underlying tenet here is that uh, it's simplicity in many ways. And also, um, we have more control over the stack we've built on and we're able to capture um, MEV revenue on the app level, uh, which is a little bit difficult to do on, on Uniswap because I guess you need like agreements with miners or something, something that really can't be automated to the same degree. Um, Uniswap is, in my opinion, a fantastic product. I think it is, I think it's a, a marvel of engineering. Uh, it is uh, another concentrated liquidity protocol. It, it works brilliantly. Um, and in many ways, duality is, uh, is quite similar with the difference that we don't have, there, there's some, there's some minor differences and some big kind of design differences for one with duality you can you know you can create any kind of curve you want but on uniswap in order to create any kind of curve you want you need to kind of approximate it by layering curves uh, layering positions on top of each other so if i want to provide liquidity in a bulk curve position on uniswap i would need to provide some wide range liquidity some less wide range liquidity and at the end i need to provide a very narrow point of liquidity in the middle of all of it. So that will be three transactions. Now I need to manage, um, need to manage those LP positions and uh, it just becomes a little bit, a little more complicated to do things like that. Um, I can't, you know, I can't have granular control of each, each individual take of my liquidity. Say I want to move the, say I want to move like two ticks of my liquidity to the left. It will be, I need to, you know, I need to withdraw my entire position and then redeposit. But on duality, I can choose if I have 10 ticks in a position, I can choose to move one, like a little to the left or a little to the right, remove it entirely. It's just a little more granular control over how I, how I can uh, be expressive as a liquidity provider. Nice, nice. And yeah, be beyond the, the technical difficulties or challenges that you guys have solved, I, I think simplicity I mean, Uniswap is being uh, cherished by a lot of people for their simplicity. Um, so if we can create a similar or even better experience for users, that will be a huge step um, and a big challenge also. But uh, kudos to your team, to you and your team, <laughs> if you manage to find a way. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll keep trying. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, you mentioned about Mew already. So uh, let's talk about Mew. Um, a lot of people in Cosmos, obviously in our community, they know about Skip Protocol. We also had them on, uh, Magnus from Skip Protocol not too long ago, um, who is sort of uh, focused on uh, having validators adopt their uh, their technology and, 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 and become making chains become Mew resistant. But you guys introduce a new concept uh, that you refer to as uh, multiplicity. Perhaps not a new concept, but uh, it's something that a lot of people don't know about, at least. Talk to us about what the uh, multiplicity is and how you guys are addressing the whole Mew uh, problem in, uh, in not just Cosmos, but all of crypto. Yeah, so um, big fan of big fan of the of the skip guys. Um, Magnus and Magnus and Barrier are great. And uh, in fact, for so multiplicity kind of came up as an idea to create censorship resistance 
in in these decentralized protocols, which is really hard to do. And the argument here is that once you solve censorship resistance, you solve the problem of inclusion um, of certain sets of transactions in a block. And once you can once you can enforce inclusion, or once you can verify that inclusion is is no longer an issue and no, nobody can censor specific bids then it doesn't nothing else really matters because um you can order transactions however you like internally so what that means is if i have a if i have a bidding system for transactions um i just need to enforce that all transactions that have a bid are in a block and once that's happened it's very easy through the internal application logic to order these transactions based by bit, based on bid and have those go first. So multiplicity was kind of a, it was kind of a way to solve censorship resistance. And on top of that, um, you know, on-chain auctions could potentially be built. Um, we're working closely with the, with the skip team on, on, uh, on an implementation of this. The skip team also announced um, um, proposer builder separation, which uh, aims to do similar things. So now we've kind of joined forces there, and we're moving together in many ways. Nice. Sorry, I was coughing. <laughs> um, that's awesome. And how is uh, the revenue or the fees being uh, saved uh, from? Uh, Mew, uh, how is that being distributed? I think a lot of people are, at the end of the day, money talks, right? So uh, people immediately ask, is that being redistributed to LPs, to stakers? To There's a lot of ways to do this, right? Yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, and there is, it feels like the best way to do it might not be sufficient for our v1 sorry not sufficient it might not be doable for our v1 given that it can get fairly complicated to perfectly pro rata distribute mev to individual to lp positions that created it hmm. so as um, as an intermediary point i think what makes a lot of sense to do here is have mev captured in its entirety on one address protocol controlled by by governance, and then have those MEV profits distributed as rewards to specific pools. I see, and yeah, I think a lot of discussion is happening around Mu in general, um, and it should be also. It's a it's a big industry at this point, and uh, if we don't solve this, we uh, you know the problem will only grow bigger. But once you start implementing Mu resistance sort of tech. The, the, the question right after that uh, Magnus, I know also in Skip Protocol uh, is getting is, uh, okay, so how is the how are all these fees being redistributed? And I don't think we have a bulletproof perfect answer to that yet. Let's see how all things play out. And uh, as long as we're flexible, I think uh, you can adopt to whatever solution uh, comes out on top, I, I presume. But let's talk about um, what's on the horizon with uh, duality. And perhaps also any any alpha on, on the launch date and when we can anticipate this. Obviously, Neutron is getting a lot of attention these days for being the first, quote-unquote, uh, to launch on Cosmos Hub. 
But uh, yeah, talk to us about the roadmap and uh, the short term. How does how does it look like at Duality? Yeah, so there's some bit, there have been some delays in general due to internal and external factors, as uh, as you know, I think we're we're all very well aware in general. Um, so the initial plan was a Q1 launch of 2023, but it seems like things are getting pushed a little bit. Uh, so uh, we actually took it as an opportunity to to increase the functionality internally, add some new order types for traders, um, uh, really one up our security with the second audit, and move uh, move forward. Uh, that way. So the audit is coming up. It's going to be about a month. And then after that, I'm assuming sometime in April, May, we should have a proposal up. But uh, this is all kind of up in the air. There's a lot of things that can happen from now to then. But we're really trying to, to stick to stick to the, the schedule here. Stick to plan. <laughs> and uh, is there any uh, testnet or something that uh, we can already start asking the community to uh, to play around with? I mean, uh, for anyone who's listening now, or re-listening afterwards, uh, we always upload these kind of spaces to, uh, to Spotify and all the other podcast platforms. So anyone out there who's listening to this now or later, is there any testnet that they should t- try out and, uh, and start playing around? There's not a public testnet right now. The only testnets we have are private and internal that can be spun up. Hmm. But that's not to say that we won't set up a public testnet. We might have like a maybe a two-week testnet or something while we're finishing up audits or while uh, while everything is is wrapping up. But for the moment, there there is no pro- public testnet. The only public testnet was the game of chains that was more hmm. for ICS functionality validators right. specifically users right yeah so anyone who uh, was interested they should go follow duality uh, xyz and then maybe in the future there will be a public testnet to play around so uh, let that be <laughs> a recommendation from the from the club here to everyone anyone listening but okay so let's uh, let's do a little bit of a thought experiment here let's say um, cosmos hub and cosmos in general uh, is massively successful People love using Cosmos. More and more people pile in, not just from crypto, but also just going mainstream. Um, more and more consumer chains are being deployed. So Cosmos Hub really becomes the hub that we all sort of aspire to for it to become. Uh, now that we have replicated security and, and consumer chains, chains being able to launch on the hub. And let's say Duality also succeeds in executing on all the different things that you guys are working on multiplicity, giving LPs superpower, even though you want to change that, <laughs> but uh, at least giving LPs more options than they are used to on other DEXs. So say everything falls into place. How do you think duality looks like, let's say, five years from now? Like What, what kind of vision are you aspiring to when you look sort of in a, in a more long-term future? So the goal is, is always to create open and incentive aligned markets so there's always little things that need to be improved and fixed in terms of hey, how do we actually capture MEV here um, uh, so maybe some internals of the chain or maybe you know maybe we're, we're, we're gas optimizing certain things but aside from that 
like the core the core value and the core uh, proposition here is well it's kind of hard to say obviously five years is like 15 lifetimes in in in, in crypto but uh, but that being said I think that there's a lot to explore we have a lot on the roadmap that's not really solidly on the roadmap um, but ideally it's a liquidity layer that users can programmably interact with and by hopefully by that point IBC would have have uh, you know significant strides in its development and uh, applications are basically one click away from each other everything is like by by default, natively multi-hop compatible, um, arbitrary message passing, bridging, UI, UX, all that has been fixed. And um, yeah, we are a, a liquidity layer uh, that, can be, that can be accessed from any chain, any ecosystem at any point in time and can be program, programmatically interacted with as well. Do you think we will get to a point, and that's also... Uh, it's a cheeky question, obviously, asking five years from now is an eternity for <laughs> crypto, right? And, and Cosmos in particular, I think. But do you think we will get to a point uh, where sort of all the tech, you know, IPC, all this interchain connectivity in Cosmos Hub, all that will fall in the background and people won't even think about it or have any issues with it or any barriers? Do you think we'll get to that point? Obviously, it's a, it's a little bit of an unfair question because how does that look like? It's hard to wrap your head around. But I don't think it's an unfair point. And in fact, when I was... So I, I don't usually visualize things like five, 10 years out. I would if it was like a something something a little, a little different. But on uh, it, it's a little bit difficult to visualize anything five years down. But when I was visualizing this, I will say that the the technological complexity behind everything that had all been abstracted away so if i'm on chain a and i want to lp on a duality position and call a contract um on duality i could just use its front end and then everything everything just happens in the background you don't need to you don't need to port ibc assets over manually run a transaction port lp tokens back it's kind of all one-click magical. And I don't think it's an unfair question, and I actually don't think it's too far off as long as development on these open standards continues. Wallet development continues, IBC development continues, and projects continue to innovate on technology right now. It is... Um definitely the uh, the play here that uh, we we all work towards but um it, it's easier said than done but cosmos hub if you ask me at least personally i think cosmos hub has the potential holds the potential to become that place to become a place where you don't really think about wallets or ibc and all the stuff that's going on with cosmos and blockchain crypto in general um, it could really be this sort of one-stop shop for everything decentralized. And I think that's pretty cool. I mean, that basically delivering on the promises that a lot of other chains, a lot of other ecosystems have, have made, I think Cosmos Hub really can execute on it. Um, so it will be exciting to see how, how it plays out <laughs> in the end. 
but the duality is certainly a very very important piece to to the whole puzzle being able to trade i mean you're not going to go on cosmos hub or any any other hub if you're not able to swap and trade uh, provide liquidity so uh, very important piece that you guys are, are building for the hub and beyond yeah that makes sense um i had a thought but it's it's kind of escaped my mind <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it was around it was around the hub. Yeah, the fact that the fact that the the validator set is shared could be a very big weapon in fixing some or creating some special IBC type things. However, I'm I'm not entirely sure that that's actually going to stay that way. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if down the line, maybe two years from now, there's more specific opt-in, opt-out mechanics on the validator set to secure consumer hmm. chains, but um, but for now, there's uh, there's there's a lot to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we keep building, even though it's a bear market, or especially in the bear market, we uh, we just keep building. So um, it's just awesome to see that uh, all these things are actually being executed on. Um, so there's a question from the community that I forgot to ask actually in the beginning, but uh, I want to just uh, swoop it in there here at the end. And that's the name duality. Uh, I think personally, I think it's a great name. Uh, I really, I really like it. It has, a, it has a nice ring to it, but I'm curious to hear from you, Nicholas. Um, why did you guys settle on that name? Is there, an, is there a sort of wordplay going on here? Because you're, there's a dual or duality between the trader and the LP or yeah. Where does the name come from basically? Yeah. Unfortunately, the more you think about it, the more, the more things it fits to. Uh, <laughs> we, just, we just thought it sounded cool. So, so we used it. <laughs> there was no deeper, deeper meaning behind it, at least not initially. Yeah. We, we can sit here and pretend that it's uh, <laughs> this and that, but no, it's, it's, it's just the name. Um, it's actually a um, a term. I think it's from convex optimization. Mm. I need to ask. Uh, I need to ask my. Or I need to Google it actually. Um, mm. I, I don't remember. It's been a while. But uh, but yeah, it's the duality. I know. I would just uh, hit myself if I didn't ask you before uh, closing this off. But yeah, um, Nicholas, you have been a, a true pleasure to have on. Uh, it's really exciting to see what you guys are building, and uh, and uh, can't wait to uh, to try this out in the in public and the public net. But um, is there anything that we forgot to ask? Is there anything that uh, you want to leave us with today? Uh, something that uh, you don't want to miss now that we have a chance to talk to each other here in the space? I think you've been fairly fairly thorough, so I don't. I don't really have much to much to say. My my goal was just to answer as many uh, community questions as, as I could. Awesome, and you did a great job, Nicholas. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It's a, it's a true pleasure to see the Cosmos ecosystem continue to grow. So exciting to see Cosmos Up being uh, coming coming to life. I I almost want to say um, with consumer chains like Duality coming on. So, Nicholas, thank you so much for joining today. And, uh, yeah, keep building, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. And, yeah, we will keep building. We will keep doing what we're doing. And there's, uh, there's a lot to improve here. And this can, this can really be something. 
Yeah, we'll we'll make sure to keep an eye out. We have a thread also that we wrote about duality. So for anyone who wants to dive into that, you can see it in the in the comments for this uh, for this space. Um, yeah, and we'll make sure to keep an eye out for duality and all the announcements that you're making along the way. Cool. Thank you so much. All right, Nicholas. Take care, man. Take care. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining. Ciao.